Hey. How are you today? Pretty good. I'm having one of those days, though, those mornings where everything goes to mm. shit. Like, I got on the bus this morning. I think I was just telling you this before. But I yep. got on the bus and I, like, had run down the road, like, my bag snapped oh on my the way God. as well. It was so cool. It was like right. a comedic moment. Yeah, yeah. And then... Um, Which isn't funny when it happens no, to you. But it was like ridiculous, like a film. So my bag <laughs> snapped and then I like flung myself into the bus and then I would use my Opal card and it was on negative because I used it to go to the airport. You know, no. the airport is like $4,000. Four, yeah. It's $4,000 to get to the airport. Anyway, and then the nice bus man was like, you could just get on because <laughs> you're sad and weird <laughs> and your bag's like half spilling its contents yeah. onto the floor. I'm so. a believer that like sometimes angels come along and they're not like oh. people and they're just like there when you're having a tough oh, time. Okay. And they're just like, get on the bus. Or they're the nice Uber driver that you chat to when you're you're having a tough time. You mean like a real angel? I don't know. My mum has this story that she always trots out, Mm -hmm. which was her first day of uni. Um, And my mum was like, she was really hot, but she didn't know. And she she was really nervous about being at uni. And she was like looking at the, she had no self-confidence. Yeah. Um, And she was looking at the board to see what room she was in. And this, she's like, the most gorgeous man. She's like, you look like fucking Jesus. My mom's not religious, so for her to have like a sighting of Jesus. And this was the 70s, so everyone looked like fucking Jesus. Yeah, yeah. And he walked up and he had like long hair and a beard and he goes, oh, are you looking for education 201? And she's like, no, I'm looking for education 101. He goes, he looked at her and he goes, I wish you were looking for education 201. And she's like, I never saw him again. She's oh. like, I believe he was there to just give me that boost of confidence. <laughs> Sexy she's, Jesus. She's like, then I, down from she's like, I went through uni like smashing it. Like she <laughs> like was the queen of uni. <laughs> I love this like, story he so much. was an angel because Sexy I never Jesus. saw him again. Sexy Jesus. Sexy Jesus. Came because to my mom. you know what? Jesus, <laughs> sometimes he just comes to earth in a sexy form to give women yeah. with low self-confidence a boost by telling <laughs> to them hit on they're women hot. At the University <laughs> of Newcastle. For confidence. <laughs> confidence. <laughs> uh, I mean, you guys have probably learned by now that my mom's batshit. I love your mom. Um, so that's her story that she trots out. What a story. So now I always think... Sometimes when someone comes along and I just like needed that confidence boost or like a pep talk, <laughs> like you were sexy an angel, Jesus. Yeah, sexy Jesus. <laughs> God, um, it's very early, guys. It's early. Um, if you hear people like screaming in our work kitchen, it's because we've decided to do it just as people arrive for work, which is probably not a good time <laughs> to record an idea we've ever had. a podcast in a non-soundproof room. But here we are. Here we are. Um, Yes, I'm doing an iconic Australian mystery that even if you're not Australian, you probably know because it's been Mm. made into a movie, kind of. And can we just all acknowledge (laughs) that I'm going on a big Australian road trip in like literally days (laughs) and Josie decided she'd just like trot out the Wolf Creek story. Wolf Creek story. (laughs) Um, So Wolf Creek is, when you watch that movie, it's really fucking scary because they say based on true events. Which is kind of this story, which is the murder of Peter Falconio and Ivan Milat. Basically, mm. they combined the two hor- horrific cases of Australia and made a movie. Great tourism. <laughs> and now come to Australia, drive around our yeah, country. Yeah, come here, like backpack around. You'll Just get killed. <laughs> You've got a 50% chance of dying. <laughs> it's really not 
like that. There's lots of friendly it's people. It's really not. Like, I'm going on this trip and the amount of people that are, like, freaking out and I'm like, you don't understand the statistics are 99% of people are normal and fine. And They're actually, country folk to. are the best. Like, rural. They are. I was in Gunnedah this weekend and it was Where just like... Where is that? Uh, sorry, Gunnedah is near Tamworth, so it's, like, north-west New South Wales. My friend Amy, who listens to the podcast. Mm. Hi, Amy. She's from Tamworth. <laughs> She's Hi, a Amy. Tamworth local. She'll know where Gunnar yeah, is. That was for our... We've got some German fans. Oh, yes, we do too. I've seen at least two join yeah. the group. It's spreading in Germany, which actually brings us We're to huge a in Germany. <laughs> We're huge in Germany. Two people out of the millions and millions that live there <laughs> love us. Um, which brings us to our point that we were talking about before about yes. all of you telling all your friends who yeah. love murder. Yep. Just love murder. Love murder. Tell them to listen because otherwise our little podcast will die in the butt yeah. and then it won't exist anymore. We want this to just go global Yeah, for everybody to enjoy. So tell your friends if they're like looking for a new podcast or they've never listened to a podcast. Yeah, we've had so many like yeah. I've never listened, which is blows my mind. I know. And I'm like, love it. fuck, we're their first podcast. Like, <laughs> that is my first podcast was Serial. Yeah. So. <laughs> really nicely produced, honed, <laughs> sound like, quality, great. Just amazingly no research, like <laughs> measured commentary. Actual investigative journalism. <laughs> no swearing, I don't think. No. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, tell your friends, spread the word. Tell subscribe. them to subscribe. Yeah. Um, and rate us. Five stars, obviously. <laughs> Nothing less. God. Five stars only. You do less. <laughs> Even if you did four stars and we're like, it's great. Someone did four stars the other day. No, I liked like, that review. It was I a got good it. review, but I was like, <laughs> You're like really? Why? Four. <laughs> Where's my other star? <laughs> Where, like, what? What can I do to yeah. get that fifth star? Because we're such people pleasers. We like, are. What did we do to lose I the I didn't star? sleep all night. I was thinking about that star. <laughs> Um, what else do I want to say? Yes, if you're in the Facebook group already, add your friends. Yeah. Add all your friends. Um, it's on the pedestrian.tv Facebook page mm. and it's the All Aussie Mystery Hour Facebook group. It's insane. So please join. We just share things from the episodes, like photos, links, discussion, Weird talk about stories. other cases. People give us tips Yes, on their local Amazing cases that tips. we've never heard of. Uh, what was the one that, the other day, Pilliger Princess? I'm what? so into it. My fucking God, it was scary. God, I'm so scared. I'm scared of it. We should do it. But I love it. Yeah. It's really good. Yeah. There's heaps out there about it. So cheers to the person that gave us the heads up yeah. about that. So yeah, that's our little bit of PSA. Yeah. Oh, we got one more PSA, oh. which was that oh, we've just, yes. <laughs> we've, our heads have exploded <laughs> and we've decided that if we... <laughs> what would you be saying? Was it 100K listens? 100,000 listens. We'll do a live show. We'll do a live. Where like four people will come. Four people. <laughs> four of our fans will come. Four of our family members will come. <laughs> and uh, and we'll do it at a pub or something. Yeah. And we'll have copious amounts a of A few beer. people have asked us to do a live yeah. show. Yeah. It didn't just fairness, come from our not, heads yeah. being up our own asses, which exactly. they are. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we thought if we get enough listens, we'll do it because otherwise we won't because no one will come. Yeah. You know? I mean, our dream is to do it in Glenelg. Yes. The live at the Hellmouth. <laughs> um, Whether that actually happens. But I don't know if we have enough fans in Glenelg that would show up. I think we have zero fans in Glenelg. If you're from Glenelg... Hit us up. <laughs> we just want to meet someone from Glenel. We yeah. want to meet a demon. Yeah, because you're all demons there. Sorry. It's uh, been scientifically proven. Yeah. By no one. Um, <laughs> Peter Falconio. Back to Peter Falconio. Uh, on to a lighter note. It's not at all. It's not at all. I'm not taking his death 
to be funny. No. It's not. It's very serious. Um, it's very famous. I remember it. Yeah. Oh, I remember it. So well. Yeah. What year was it? 2001. Okay. I was yeah. in year 10. Yeah, say Oh, no, I was in year nine. Mm. Yeah. Because I'm old. <laughs> Josie and I are like one year apart, but she likes to decide that she's really old. We're not even a year apart. We're like six months apart. <laughs> I'm, I'm like ancient. I'm like the Pilliger princess. <laughs> um, so Peter Falconio. In November 2000, British backpackers Peter Falconio and his girlfriend Joanne Lees, who both came from Huddersfield mm. in West Yorkshire. Oh, okay. I don't I think know. You could have just said West Yorkshire, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Left the UK on a trip that was going to include time in Nepal, Singapore, Malaysia, and Thailand, mm. and wrapped up in Australia. Yep. Apparently, according to Wikipedia, mm. their families were like, don't go to Australia. It's like really, sc-. and it says in Wikipedia, it's scary because of recent events like the Port Arthur massacre. That was like that would have been like years, like five years, and like very specific, <laughs> yeah, very contained to one place, and also was dealt with swiftly. Yes, so like yeah. only, is that the only, like the only good thing John Howard did? I think so. Yes, and um, also the backpacker murders, like Ivan Milat. Oh, that's okay. why their parents were scared but, of them coming over here. But I think that's just that kind of foreshadowing that people like to put in these articles to be like, yeah. oh my god, their parents thought something would happen, and then something happened. And it's like but bullshit. I don't. I don't believe it. Everyone going everywhere gets warned. Yeah. Like the amount of people it's that like are like, Harold Be Holt getting warned to not yeah. to swim so much. Exactly. It's just that eerie foreshadowing. Yeah. So Peter was 28 and Joanne was 27 and they've been together for four years. They reached Sydney on January 16th, 2001, and they got a working holiday visa, which allows people to stay here for 12 months. So they're in Sydney for a while working to earn money. I think Joanne worked in a bookshop. I'm not mm. sure what Peter did. Couldn't find that out. So they were earning money for their big Aussie road trip, just Weird. like the one you're going oh my God, on. Don't. I will stop. Yeah, stop. Comparisons. Stop. Yeah, stop mirroring my trip to like the murderous <laughs> Peter Falconio trip. This doomed holiday that these people were taking. Um, so they left Sydney in an orange combi camper van on the 25th of June 2001. They headed south to Canberra. They went to Melbourne and South Australia before they had headed north towards the Red Centre which is Central Australia, mm-hmm. for those of you that don't know. Um, so it's part of the Northern Territory that's just above South Australia. It's very remote, red dirt, outback vibes. Yep. They slept in their van at campsites or on the side of the road. So on July 11th, there's not like heaps known about their movements. In yeah, like, they're just heading around having a good time. Yeah, but then the couple of days leading up to the murder, there's a bit more known about yep. what they were doing. So on July 11th, they visited Uluru. And made friends with a Canadian couple who they gave a lift to Alice Springs, which is six hours around about, yeah. northeast of Uluru. They split up with that couple there and did their own thing. Peter and Joanne spent the next couple of days exploring the Alice Springs area. Peter went to an accountant, realised he'd been paying his tax wrong. It's <laughs> <laughs> casual. Yeah. Whoops. Whoopsie. Um, booked a plane ticket to Papua New Guinea, which was a side trip he'd planned with a friend. Okay. Joanne went to the library to check her email. Like, is there a more oh 2001 God. thing to do? <laughs> when you have to go to, like, internet like, cafes. I need the internet cafe to, like, yes. see what people are doing back home. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> and she also called a friend named Amanda Whelan back in Sydney, and they just, like, caught up about the trip. She told Amanda they were going to the Camel Cup, which is a camel racing event. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know of this. Yeah. <laughs> so cute. I, like, 
figured camel cup was camel racing, yeah. but I Googled it anyway, and there were pictures of the yeah, camels. It was cute. so cute. The camels, camels in Australia is so weird. I just, yeah. I know. It's really random that they're here. Like, they weren't native. No. Right? No. no. They were oh, my God. That was here. the dumbest. That was a really <laughs> dumb statement by me. I'm really sorry. Anyway, yes. No. Camels are not native to Australia. No. But they seem to be around. There's a lot. Yeah. Well, not a lot, but like... They're around in that area yeah. and also up in Broome. Yes. Yeah. And, they were and on people the ride them on the which beach. Which is now yeah. insanely old news, but yeah. they were on The Bachelor one time. <laughs> um, so they went to that event for a yeah. few hours. <laughs> camel facts. Like, camel facts. Just a little camel fact segue. Anyway, sorry. Yes, keep going. Um, at 4 p.m. they set off from Alice, Alice Springs. Now, this to me is weird that you would set off at 4 p.m. to do, like, a massive drive. Yeah, though, that's super is that dangerous. Weird? Yeah, well, like, it's, like, I go at 4 a.m., like, 5 really? a.m., you know, when it's it also getting light. Like, it's, I mean, this has nothing to do with what happened to them, as in, like, I'm not victim-blaming in the slightest, because mm. it's not about that, but in they were at risk of other shit. Like, you do not drive in Australia outside of the city mm. after dusk, unless you were, like, some sort of fucking... Grew up in the country, born yeah. and bred, like, grew yeah. up on a farm, know my shit. Because there's kangaroos fucking oh, everywhere. There's God. emus. There's, like, I've seen dead emus. I've seen dead kangaroos. Yeah. I hit a kangaroo once, which was very yeah. sad. Basically, there's fucking fauna yeah. everywhere. Our animals are really not smart. <laughs> They're dumb, especially um, our animals. And then if there's roadkill, they'll, like, stop to eat that roadkill. Yeah. So they'll be in the middle of the road. I was in Tassie a few months ago, and we were driving at night which was necessary because we are going to our next accommodation. But Julian was driving at like 5Ks an hour because oh we did not want to hit anything. Yeah. We both love animals. Yeah. And I, I spotted a possum in the middle of the road who was eating something. And Julian hadn't actually spotted him. I'm like, ah, in the middle. I was like, on the left, in the middle, on the right, like spotting them. Yeah. And we were just like both like pitched forward in the car. Like, yeah. It's terrifying. It's scary. Eh? So I don't know why they did that. Not Crazy. to victim blame. No, well, because it has nothing to do with how they, no, what happened to them, but like they were at risk of other. Yes, shit. yes. So Joanne was driving. Peter napped in the back. After about two hours driving, they stopped at the Tea Tree Roadhouse for fuel. They shared a joint and watched the sunset, Aww. which sounds fucking delightful, nice. doesn't it? Yeah. Um, Peter bought some lollies and then he took over the driving mm, after smoking a joint. Mm. Great. Heading north on the Stewart Highway. Mm. So they passed a town called Barrow Creek. Yep, I know Barrow Creek. Are you going there? Please don't go there. I am not going there, <laughs> but I will pass through it, yes. Um, and, like, as they passed through, they noticed that a four-wheel drive ute was following them quite closely. Mm. And they expected the car was going to overtake them because a lot of the locals, and we found this in Tassie, they know the road so well and they right, drive right up your ass. Yeah, they do, yeah. <laughs> and you pull over and they No indicator. On. They just yeah. do their shit, yeah. Um but then the car didn't overtake them. Around 7.30, when they were around 11 kilometres north of Barrow Creek, the car drew level with the couple's camper van. Joanne can remember seeing a dog in the passenger seat and the driver was indicating that something was wrong with the combi's exhaust. Joanne didn't want to stop in the middle of the outback, but she said that Peter was, quote-unquote, more confident, macho perhaps, about pulling over. Mm. He got out of the car to talk to the man and Joanne slid over to the driver's seat. She heard Peter say, cheers, mate, as the other driver told him about sparks coming out of their van. Peter then came up to the driver's side and asked Joanne to rev the engine. He took his cigarettes out of the car and went back to the back of the van. She never saw him again. She heard a bang, which at first she didn't register as a gunshot. Um, And then the other man came up to her window with a gun, aimed it at her head, got in the van, 
bound her hands behind her back with black cable ties, but she fought against him tying her feet. Mm. And they had like a bit of a struggle. Then he forced her out of the car. He tried to put tape around her mouth and head and she kind of like, because she was struggling, it didn't quite take. Mm-hmm. Um, he put a canvas sack over her head oh, and pushed her into the front passenger side of his car. During like the struggle, the sack kind of displaced and she caught a look at the dog, which she described as medium-sized, short-haired, brown and white. That poor dog. Mm. It didn't mean to get owned no, by a fucking murderer. No. So she tried to get out of the driver's side door but was blocked by the dog. The man forced her over the seats into the back of the ute and it had a green canopy. So it was a white car, like a green fabric canopy. Mm-hmm. When she was in the back, she screamed, what do you want? Is it money? Is it the van? Just take it. Are you going to rape me? Which is it's so horrific that that's where our minds go as women. Oh, like, God, I know. And of course it does. Of course it does. Oh, God, it's so terrifying. Um, I remember reading about these, like, this exchange and just thinking how fucking terrified she must have been. I know. The man came to, like, an opening in the back of the canopy and said, shut up and I won't shoot you. And then he walked away again. And then she screamed, have you shot my boyfriend? Have you shot Pete? He came back and said no. And then she heard him walk down the side of the car. Um, and then while he was distracted, like, so then she kind of heard that he was doing something. She thinks it was perhaps when he was dealing with Peter's body. Mm-hmm. She escaped through the loose canopy and ran, oh. fucking legged it into the scrub. That's phenomenal. And hid, as she says, like a rabbit. God. Like, imp- so impressed oh, with her reaction skills here. He had a gun, here. for fuck's sake. And you know like, what? I don't think I would have done it, to be honest. I, yeah, look, I feel like you can't know because mm. I think that it must come down to adrenaline and just, like, fight or, fight or flight. flight. But, like, whenever – I mean, I know but, uh, quite a few parts of this story because mm. of – obviously oh, yeah. it was so massive. And I just have always been, like, blown away at her, like, resilience yeah. in that situation, her, like, quick thinking, yeah. like, fuck, just, like like – yeah, everything like she's so lucky, but she's also so like like the quick thinking is yeah. just phenomenal. But anyway, yes, crazy. Um, so he came back and noticed she was gone. So he looked with his dog for a while, passing right near her oh God, three and times. With dog, you'd be so terrified. I know. And then he gave up and drove off. But then he came back and moved the combi. Mm. So she hid there for around five hours. She was oh too God. scared. Even when she, he drove off, I think because he came back again, yeah. she was too scared to move. Um, she told 60 Minutes in 2016, I just felt the isolation that I was completely alone. I was screaming for Pete to come and help me. He didn't return. Now I realise that Peter had already lost his life, but I didn't want to accept that. For me, there was no choice. It was either run or be raped and killed. I mean. So terrifying. Like, there's so many things to unpack there. Mm. And, like, also just to sit there for five, five hours. hours. It in always, the bush. There's so many fucking insane animals. Oh, my God. There's so many. <laughs> and it would be nighttime. I yeah. never I never realised it was nighttime mm. when all this was happening. Mm-hmm. I had no idea. Yeah. Um, and, like, that, like, night is when all the animals come out. And yes. also it's, like, like I've <laughs> told you all before in the Lithgow Panther episode, like, when you're in the bush at night... <sighs> Every noise that in the daytime would probably just be like, oh, that's a lizard, oh, that's mm. fine, is magnified. Yeah. Like, so she would have been yeah. terrified. She would have thought she heard the man again. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I can't believe she did that. Like, I don't feel like I could even mentally get through that. At around 1 a.m., she came out from her hiding place and flagged down a truck um, that was driven by a man named Vince Miller. He started to help her look for her boyfriend 
But then she mentioned that the attacker had a gun, so Miller cleverly decided (laughs) to take her back to Barrow Creek to call the police. So by 2am, dozens of roadblocks were being set up from Catherine to the South Australia border, to the Queensland border, to the West Australian border. So just anywhere that those roads would have led. Yeah. Well, and those roads, like, it kind of, like, makes sense. Like, it sounds crazy, I guess, to anybody that hasn't been out that way to, like, roadblock some Mm -hmm. roads because, like, there's a million roads. But, like, there's, like, really kind of one big vein of a highway going up Mm. and then one that kind of goes, like, across. But, I mean, you know, you can get around it, obviously, but it makes sense that they were doing that. You can go off-road. Like, that's the scary thing because it's just, it's enormous out there. Um, So every roadhouse in the area was also contacted with a description of the car of the driver and of Peter. Yeah. At 7am, Alice Springs Police commenced a search for Peter in the area the attack had occurred. They found a pool of blood covered in dirt and the couple's combi hidden 80 metres from the road in scrub. Um, Further police searches turned up nothing but Joanne's footprints. Even the Indigenous trackers called in to help in the coming days could find no leads on the whereabouts of Peter or the attacker. Peter Falconia's body has never been found. Oh, it's so insane. So the only clue police had was footage of a man filmed at 12.38am at a Shell truck stop in Alice Springs where he bought fuel, a bag of ice and an iced coffee. Oh. So he clearly wanted to stay awake to bloody dispose of a body. I've yeah. just come to oh, that so conclusion. This is, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So this is after. After. Okay, So cool. it happened around 7.30. So that fits yeah. with the timeline of how long it would take then to get back to Alice Springs. Yes, yeah. Gotcha. Um, so the search for Peter and the mystery attacker stretched into weeks and the media went in on Joanne in the style of Lindy Chamberlain. I yes, remember this. I remember this too and it was fucked. Um, because they didn't think she was upset enough. Yeah. Oh, God, I hate that so much. Um, and that she wasn't revealing enough information to the public. Her original statement was actually lost, I found out in my research, and then in subsequent police interviews there were inconsistencies in her story. But, of course, there were. Like, she's like, fucking, don't fucking lose scared. your first fucking statement, yeah. dickheads. Some UK papers, and because they were British, it's that whole thing, and the UK media are worse than this, they're worse than anyone. Yeah, they are. Um, they suggested she was mentally ill. Mm. Um I actually found out in my research that she eventually admitted that she was so upset she'd, like, taken Valium. So that's why she seemed really kind of... Spacey. Spaced out and not upset enough. Yeah, and, like, she was crying so much she needed to be sedated. Fuckheads. The main hole, in inverted commas, that people pointed out in her story was that the Indigenous trackers had only found her footprints in the area and she'd said that the man and the dog come looking for her. Um, but UK documentary maker Ross Wilson, who made a movie called The Trials of Joanne Lees in 2002, said police said no footprints were found at the site where the gunman searched for Joanne while she hid after escaping from his truck. This is one of the key points people question in her story. But Aboriginal trackers told us it wasn't the absence of footprints. It was that there were too many footprints as police had gone all over the area oh. searching for Falconio and the gunman. Oh, so oh the, well, yeah. I mean, I guess they were searching. That's yeah. not, I was like about to be like, you stupid police. But it's, it's but the stupid no. police because they said no footprints were found at the site. Yeah, and it's like actually there yeah. were like a shit ton. That's not what the, the trackers said at yeah. all. The police were actually the ones that kind of fucked her over here. Because yeah. they also withheld evidence from the media and public knowledge. The videotape of the man at the servo, they didn't reveal for three weeks. Yeah. And it, it kind of like proved the timeline. Yeah. Um, there were three separate eyewitness accounts um, from people in Barrow Creek and people that had driven 
past that had seen the combi and the four-wheel drive. Yeah. Um, they'd seen and the all this hadn't been re- revealed. Yeah, they'd oh. seen the four-wheel drive drive away from the combi. So, someone saw that. Yeah. And then someone also said they saw the combi parked in the scrub and a torch light, all wow. of which matched up with Joanne's account of yeah. the timeline. So fuck you, everyone saying that she's not upset enough and yeah. it didn't really happen. So all of that would have helped the public perception of Joanne. Yeah. Um, it also came out in the trial that she cheated on Peter. I remember this. In Sydney. Yes. So I feel like that's another yeah. reason why she was Vilified. hesitant to yeah. not tell oh. everything to the world because yeah. she had, like, she did have a secret. But people thought she'd fucking killed him. Yeah. And, well, this is the thing, and I remember, <laughs> I do remember reading about it or something more recently, like not as a kid, mm. about the cheating yeah. and how the like that even marred public perception yes. of her yeah. because people even are just at the so trial, women. Even as the man yeah. was on trial, she was still getting vilified for that, yeah. which has nothing to do with the case whatsoever. Exactly. It makes me so angry. I actually got really angry doing this research. Um, so once police finally released that fucking footage, people did come forward with identifications of around 36 different men which then the police looked at against registered owners of Toyota Land Cruisers, which mm. they kind of matched the car up um, to being. This led them to interview a man named Bradley John Murdoch, who was a drug runner and a mechanic. He had a history of domestic violence. He also was jailed. For, he was really racist, mm. and he was jailed for, like, he shot at people. What? Indigenous people at, a like, a local AFL game. Oh, great. Yeah. He shot at people. Shot at people. And he was out in public. Yeah. And so he'd been in jail, I think, in the 80s or how did 90s. somebody who shot at people yeah. so he at didn't, a footy game yeah, go he, get released? Yeah. Well, he didn't hit anyone, did he? Oh, my so God. It's, like, it's that whole thing of attempted murder versus murder. Yeah, so yeah, annoying. Yeah. Um, uh, sorry, blah, blah, blah. So he was based in the West Australian town of Broome at the time. Um, because of some inconsistencies in Joanne's description of the attacker, so she said some stuff about facial hair, he didn't have it. It's facial hair, for fuck's sake. Mm. People can grow and remove it. Yes, exactly. Anyway, um, and also it was very dark when all of this happened. If you think about it, there's no street lights, 11 no. kilometres north of Barrow Creek, pitch black. So she didn't, like, 100%. And then you put the sack over her head and all that kind of stuff. So they didn't take a DNA sample when they spoke to him in 2001. And then a woman named Colleen Gwynn, who's a fucking legend, took over as police superintendent in Alice Springs in early 2002. So she took on the case and she, there were heaps of people involved, but she was like, you know what, I need a crack team. Yeah. <laughs> and she like kind of whittled it down to like the best people. Yes. And Go made, it, made a task force. Amazing. And her first order of business was to find a DNA match for the sample found on Joanne Lees' T-shirt on the back of mm-hmm. her T-shirt and on the gear stick of the combi. Um... The team looked at all the persons of interest starting from the top down and near the top was Bradley John Murdoch. Mm. So they decided not to give him the heads up they were after him. Um, and so Gwyn learned that him and his brother had had a falling out. I think mm. his name was Gary. I made that up. It's not here. Um, she learned that they weren't on good terms. So she was like, I can get his DNA because it will match um, so he did give a DNA sample and it did match, meaning his brother was a man who'd left DNA on the shirt and had touched the gear stick in the <sighs> combi, presumably while he was moving it. Wow. So then, I don't know how, but then that got to the papers. So then Murdoch took off. Oh, 
God. I'm like, wouldn't you keep that fucking to yourself? I know. I don't know especially how. in that kind of an area where you can kind of take yes. off and disappear if yeah. you want to. Um, so I didn't know any of this. I remember just kind of didn't hear anything else. And then suddenly it was like, a man's been arrested. Yeah. So I didn't know any of this in-between stuff, which was really interesting. So he took off. He went to South Australia. And on August 22nd, 2002, he was arrested in Port Augusta for the rape and abduction of a 12-year-old girl. Oh, my fucking God. And her mother. So I think he raped the girl, not the mother, but he took them both. He apparently took them in a drug-fueled haze, thinking there'd be insurance, as he knew the cops were after him for the Peter Falconio murder. Um, So then the Northern Territory Police had to wait for him to be tried for that Oh, God. Okay, because he's in South Australia yes. and being tried different in South states. Australia for something completely yep. different. So they had to wait for him to be tried on those charges before they could get their hands on him. But he was in custody. Yep. So he was actually acquitted of those charges during what? a trial in 2003, but then he was immediately arrested for the murder of Peter but Falconio. But he acquitted for those? I have no idea. Fuck? I have oh. no idea. I couldn't find much information yeah. about that. Case. But at least I think yeah, he so knew. Then he was I think he might have known these people. I'm not actually sure. Okay, so the complication. But they had this whole. He kind of kept them hostage for hours. It was this whole ordeal. But I don't know how he got off. Yeah, I but guess then, we don't know enough about what happened. No, but then he got arrested for yeah. Peter Falconio's murder. So yay. Yeah, gotcha. The, they didn't have Peter's body. So Gwyn, the legend. Yeah, she was like, we need more evidence. Like we need to really. Did I call her Colleen before? It's Colleen Gwyn. Okay, good. <laughs> Um, like, I don't, where did I get Colleen? Yeah, I don't just like want to call her Colleen because she's a professional woman. No, you know, she police. is, and she's a legend, and we love her. Yeah, but we'll call her Gwyn. Yeah. Um, so she wanted more evidence to really just like drive it home. So Joanne had picked him out of a photo lineup. He was in Alice Springs on the day of the murder, and the DNA matched. But she wanted something else. One of her detectives in this fucking amazing hectic squad. Mm-hmm. Looked through everything they had, all of the evidence. You know, when we do these podcasts, we're like, they lost the Somerton man's yeah. suitcase. They didn't lose anything. They had everything. Yes. And she found Joanne Lees's hair tie, which he'd pulled off during their struggle, wrapped around his gun's shoulder holster as a trophy. Phenomenal work, Colleen Gwynn yep. and your amazing team. Legend. So Gwynn says that when it was presented as evidence in the trial, Murdoch and this is me quoting her, recoiled and he wouldn't touch it. You could see that he knew that was it. That was the nail in his coffin. Fuck yeah. Go, Gwyn. Go, team. So in December... <laughs> just punched the air like like um, <laughs> Breakfast Club yeah. style. I am. I am. Just, Judd Nelson. Just that movie. Judd Nelson? Yeah, Judd Nelson. So on the December the 13th, 2005, four and a half years after the combi was stopped near Barrow Creek, Bradley John Murdoch was convicted of the murder of Peter Falconio and the assault and abduction of Joanne Lees. He was given a mandatory life sentence with a minimum 28-year non-parole period. But the question still remains, and this is the mystery, mm-hmm. where is the body of Peter Falconio? Yeah. He refuses to help police locate the body. So that part, like, it's still open, still, like, remains yeah. open. I hate this. We've talked about this before where it's like you wait for like these deathbed confessions and but I just think people like fucking with the police and with the families because they're, they're demons and they don't have feelings. Yeah. They're like, I'm not going to help you. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just, and it, yeah, and it is so awful because you've already stolen a very, you know, like a person away from their family, yep. their friends, their partners, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then not only are you going to do that, but then you're also not going to give anyone any closure, no. you asshole. It's so awful. In 2007, the media was reporting that Murdoch did not enjoy the conditions of Bar- Barama Prison. 
and my... Oh, is he in Barrymore? Yeah. Wow, I go past there all the time. I mean, not all the time. That way, that sounds weird. Barrymore is a really, really cute town. Is there a prison there? In New South Wales? I don't know. Yeah, there's a Why prison there. Why would he be in New South Wales? I don't know. But there's a really, there's like, it's a really cute town. Like, people go there for like weekenders and stuff. And there is a prison there. But I didn't know. Oh my God. That's scary. Anyway, that that's where it that's is. That's state. scary. I know. Um, but, and he might help police in exchange for relocation to a prison in WA. But that was debunked. Like, that was just a media yeah. story. It's like, I'm not helping. So in 2016, Joanne Lees came back here, which I'm surprised she did after the way people fucking back. treated yeah. her and after what happened. Um, and she wanted to, like, raise awareness for the case and to keep the public involved in the search for Peter's body, like, just to be aware. And she did um, – there was some kind of art exhibition. She worked with, like, local Indigenous elders. And mm. um, she also, like, thanked people that had come forward to say, yes, we saw the car following the combi because people thought she had something to do with it. Like, they really did. Yes, and so insane. And there was all this, all these people that backed up her story that weren't in the media. And so that just led to people pointing the finger at her. So she came and, like, met with those people and thanked them for their help. So I didn't know any of this. I found this out when I was researching. In April 2017, Matt Williams, editor of the NT News, received an anonymous letter from someone in the UK who claimed that he knew a man who helped Murdoch dispose of Peter's <gasps> body after the murder. Do what? you know any of this? No. When I looked it up, it was everywhere last year, but I didn't notice it. I just didn't, I don't know what I was doing, but I didn't see it. So they, the NT News published some details of the letter with a front page headline that screamed, Falconio cut up and dumped. It upset Peter's family so much that Joan Falconio, his mother, lodged a complaint with the Australian Press Council, which they partially upheld. They found that the NT News had failed to take reasonable steps to avoid causing substantial offence and distress to the complainant's family. Mm. But they did find that the NT News took the right steps of taking the letter to the police first and attempting to establish its authenticity. Certain details in the letter were flagged by police as having strong links to the case and that they thought it was real. So I'll put the full letter in the group because this year it's been made... The whole letter wow. has been made public. But here's a bit of it. Um, the man, like the man that the guy's talking about, he named him, but it's here as redacted. Yeah, yeah. So here I'm quoting the letter. <clears throat> it is a bit gross. Murdoch phoned him and ordered him to fly to Darwin at once, hire a car and meet him in the outback. When they met, he told redacted that he had murdered a guy in self-defence at the time redacted had no idea who the victim was. He ordered Redacted to drive to Adelaide, leave the car and fly back to Perth. Redacted told me he couldn't even open the bags. He was sick and petrified. When he got to Adelaide, he didn't fly but got the Indian Pacific train back to Perth thinking that the two large bags would draw less attention on the train so the bags had <gasps> Peter's body in them. My God. Um, he and Murdoch had connections with Geraldton and Broome. They were always going up there to unload or buy stolen goods and drugs. So Redacted knew Northern WA very well. He told me he went way past Geraldton and buried both the bags unopened in a nice spot and even made up a cross. Mm. Later, he realised who he had buried and was in a bad way about it. He knew I had a sister who worked in law and asked what I thought he would get if he went to the police. I told him I thought about five years for assisting Murdoch. This terrified him. But I did tell him better to go to the police now before Murdoch decides to tell the whole story. After that, I lost touch with him and I never heard from him again. I mean, I said, oh, but like, not really. Like, no. you buried a body. 
Yeah. Without any question. I obviously feel a bit bad about it because you made the yeah. cross and like put him in a nice place, yeah. but like you're burying a body. Yeah. Oh, that's like, I mean, it's sad. Like I'm sad in a way because like you can see why this guy who was helping somebody out with something that he probably thought was like a Drug Just a drug bust gone yeah. wrong or something like a, another drug dealer, or yeah. which is not good. No, it's not. No, never murder anyone. Or cutting up anyone. No, but like he wouldn't have known. I mean, mm-hmm. you assume he wouldn't have known it was Peter Falcone, like no. an innocent person yeah, who had done nothing just wrong. An innocent guy. Um, but then at the same time, it's like you did a fucked up thing. Yeah. Tell the truth. Yes, and so he's obviously was feeling. Bad, and then this man that knew felt bad, yeah, and decided to write this oh God, letter. As we've said a mil- million times, Rosie, if I could never keep no a bad secret like that, nope, no, if I my would... sister murdered someone, I'd probably <laughs> tell the police, I'd be like, My sister murdered someone, I've I would probably Peter tell you, I just come to work and be like, My sister murdered someone. Oh, god, so I'm guessing. The police obviously looked into it because now it's been released. The names are still taken out, but all of the letters, yeah, was published by the Daily Telegraph this year. But WA, as we've said, is fucking enormous. Yeah, I feel like he he could be anywhere. He honestly like, and even I know those names. Like I've done a big road trip in WA before. I know Geraldton and Broome. They are Mm. two days drive between each other. I reckon. Yeah, I reckon like two days as at a normal pace. As Mm. in, it would be like. 20 hours drive or something. Yeah. So, like, that is a huge space as is. Mm -hmm. So if you can imagine that plus anything inland plus, yeah, Yeah. there's just so many places you could bury a body there. People just need to, like, if they see a cross (laughs) If you see a cross in a nice spot, tell the police. the police. Um, Yeah. I just don't – I honestly think that's the only way people are going to – Find him. Well, stumbling I mean, upon yeah. him. Yeah. And like, yeah. And like, then also you've got the complication that like he was cut up, which is yeah. awful. Obviously, I mean, if this is the way that it went down, if this letter is absolute truth, yeah. Then it's like, you just, you're not going to be finding like a full skeleton. Yes. You know, yeah. so then you've got the, and then not to mention that like we said, like, the Australian bush, the Australian outback is mm-hmm. just, there's animals everywhere, like yep. animal bones everywhere. Yes. So, yeah, it's, I mean, it's so devastating because the family just want to know. Yeah, it's awful. And just to, you know, the last time anyone saw him, aside from Bradley John Murdoch, is when he came back and asked her to rev the engine. Like, I know. And do you know he what? Was there we were and talking, then he was gone. Yeah, and we were talking about this when I was talking about my trip mm. and you were telling me, <laughs> Josie has Please been telling me multiple times not to ever stop for anyone. Stop. And we were like loudly saying how we would not stop for anything. I would just call the police. Like I, would, like I wouldn't leave someone stranded, but like even if someone was standing on the side of the road waving their arms and screaming at me, nah. I would just call the police and keep driving yeah. and be like, there's a woman or a guy on the side of the road here. Like they seem yep. like they're in distress. Please hurry. And then yep. I just keep, keep going. going. Because like this is the fucked up thing is yeah. that people like this who do fucked up shit like this, mm-hmm. They ruin it yes. for anyone that's actually in <laughs> they trouble. They good Samaritan stuff. They fucked everything up because it's like now I don't want to be a good Samaritan. Yeah. Well, their whole thing was he was saying something was wrong with their car. That's what I mean. Like it was so innocuous. I would have probably stopped mm. because this story had not obviously existed before. Yeah. So you would think – and this is the thing is the outback, country roads, people are really nice. Mm. When I hit that kangaroo, mm. which was – um, in the middle of rural Queensland, 
Um, I hit a kangaroo with my car. Mm. Me and my friend kind of freaked out. We pulled over on the side of the road. We got bogged. Oh, God. Um, and then so I, my car was stuck. Mm. And um, we're, like the highways are, you know, relatively busy in a way. And so then this woman came by in a ute and she was like from the country. Hilarious. So because she's like going, she just kept repeating to us, never leave the road. <laughs> yeah. <you> never <laughs> leave the road. <laughs> and we were just like, okay, woman. <laughs> and now it's like a now personal you know joke yeah. between us. But... Anyway, the point is, is that, like, she helped us out. She showed us how to get out of the bog. You know, like, mm. generally, if someone was flashing their lights at you and said there's something happening with your exhaust, mm. given they'd already been yeah. driving for, de- for like, weeks, they yeah. would be like, of course, they're just a normal, nice yeah. person. There's nothing to be worried about here. encountered all the lovely Aussies yes. in the, all of those cities that they visited. Exactly. Like, they've been driving for like a couple of weeks. A hundred percent. It's just like, it's just really fucking unfair. But you know what's weird to me is like, yeah, you had a history of drug running and shooting Indigenous people at football games. That blows my mind. I can't believe that. He was like a white supremacist vibe. Like he had some Mm. kind of racist tattoo. Um, It's just so strange. He was like, these two people, like Mm. I don't know how long he was, he was probably following them for a while. Maybe from Alice Springs. Yeah. Um, yeah, actually, I think there was a connection. They had Red Rooster. Mm-hmm. I forgot to put this in. After the Camel Cup, they ate at Red Rooster. Mm. And I think he was there. <gasps> I think. That's what's so he scary. Was like, so he was following them for that long. But it's like he just went, I'm going to kill these people. Like, and and rape that woman. I know. And you could have, they could have just done, like, just the most tiniest thing mm. that made them known to him, you yeah. know? Yeah, it's so terrifying. Yeah. I have a scary story. Okay. That is semi-related. I'm scared. Um, yeah, you're going to get scared. I can't so, believe you're telling a scary story when you're the one that's I know. Well, I mean, <laughs> do you know how many people have decided to tell me different stories of different horrible things that have happened in the outback mm. right before I go on my trip? <laughs> it, a lot. Um, I'm kind of immune to it now. Okay. But when, um, years ago, I went to a 21st, my friend who grew up out near Mudgee at... Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember. I should remember the town. But anyway, she grew up near Mudgee, had a beautiful farmhouse um, rurally there, so outside of town. And so we all went to this 21st. But I, this was in my Christian years, so I was okay. like super, super Christian, did not drink. Yep. And so we were sober. So we had like a really fun time, but like I'd had no alcohol, neither had my friends. And yep. then me and my sister were staying in Mudgee, and so we drove back at like 1 a.m. back to Mudgee. That was fine. Yeah. And then my f- friends, um, Megan and Laura, they were living, I think one of their families is from Orange mm-hmm. and Orange isn't too far and they were like, so they drove back on the highway back that way. Mm-hmm. And then the next day they told us they're driving along the highway. This is like 1 a.m. pitch black oh and they, their <laughs> flashlights, like their headlights pick up like a high-vis vest on the on the oh, ground what? and then it's a man lying down on the side of oh the highway. God. And so they obviously slowed down because Megan was a cop. So they slowed like, so she's very like, whoop. Something's yep. going on. Okay. So they slow down. Oh, my And God. the man slowly <gasps> gets up and, like, just normally just gets up off the side of the road and then he starts walking towards oh my the God, car. no. And Megan was like, I know, and Megan was like, I just was like, nah, we got to go. And so they just took off <gasps> and she just called the cops because she was a cop, so she had, like, oh maybe my God. direct lines. <laughs> and so she calls the cops. She's like, there's this guy on this highway, like, kind of weird, weird vibe, don't know what's going on, no car around, you know, go check it out. Mm. Then it turns out that someone had escaped from the prison (gasps) nearby. Yeah. No. And so it was never confirmed that it was the escapee. 
but it was like, what other reason would there be? So who knows what would have happened to them (sighs) if they'd stopped and been like, hey, are you okay? Yeah. Isn't that fucked up? terrifying. I know. I hate that. I hate it too. I hate that story. And I've got like, even though I wasn't there, I've got a visual of this man. slowly getting up that chills have gone down my spine. And that's the thing, I think, because we we have this inherent – look, I don't want to say this is just an Aussie thing because I think Americans definitely have this as well. I've done a lot of road trips in America and, like, Mm. come across lovely people and people so willing to help other people that they don't know. But this inherent – human instinct maybe just in general to like help people out yeah. like you your first thing thought is like shit that person looks like they might need help mm. and there is that thing in the back of your mind of like wait mm. is this a good idea is but this a trap the more they play up to i'm fine like i'm a nice person yeah like like bradley john Murdoch. john what's his face mm. you know like the more they act like everything's fine and, like, mm. they're just a nice person helping you out, the l- more relaxed you become, yeah. you know? So sad. It's really sad. It's really sad and it's obviously very famous here. Yeah. And, we'll and I really feel it for it. Joanne as well. So do I. I hated, like, revisiting all that stuff it's about how people are dragged her through the mud just because she didn't say enough or didn't seem sad. Fuck off. Fuck off. And, like, I'm sorry, she was hiding in the bushes for, like, five hours. Oh, my God. Terrified. Because she needed to be valiumed up to her eyeballs I after have, that. I would. So would I. Be valiumed till the end of time yeah. after that. Fuck. I mean, no, don't do that. It's bad. <laughs> but, like, you know what I mean? Like, I totally understandable that she wasn't in her right frame of yeah. mind and she was, like, a bit spaced because, yeah. like, fuck, man, like, you've been through some shit. Yeah. Um, so look, if Joanne's listening, <laughs> oh my God, Joanne, I if you're listening, on behalf, we're so sorry. And also, everywhere. we feel for you, and we believe you, and also, and we think if, you're badass for getting out. Yes, yes, you're a badass. And running, fucking phenomenal. Running with the hands tied behind her back. I'm so like, just so amazed at yeah. her, like, just how she got out of that, and yep. just such a bad bitch. Yeah. Also, mm. Colleen Gwynn, oh. we salute you. Yep. And it was a female detective yep. that found the hair tie as well. I didn't, yeah. Her yeah, name wasn't women. in the article, but I'm like, yeah, the girls. Yeah, the girls. <laughs> Fuck. Um, that's it. Cool. That's me done. Bye. Um, don't stop your car for anyone, <laughs> I always guys. always say bye. <laughs> I always say bye too early. Yeah, don't stop your car for anyone. Just call the police. Yep. Just call the every time anything happens, call the police. Yep. Anything. Anything. Anything minor. Any little thing. <laughs> <laughs> someone someone looks like their car's just like, you know, maybe just run out of petrol. Call the police. Call the police on them. Yeah. <laughs> That's our tip. That's the hot tip this week. All right. Bye. Bye.